Today on The Future of Fandom, we diversify our understanding of investing and provide some alternatives to watching stock tickers. My name's Adam Connor, I'm your host, and in this episode, we buy into a conversation with Yield Street via their chief marketing officer, Whitney Rockland. Yield Street gives regular folks like you and me the ability to invest in assets like art and short-term notes. Between the explosion in stock trading app use and the rise of crypto, it's no secret that investors are looking for new and different ways to invest their wealth. And Whitney sees opportunities in building communities of people building a future of their own from investing in these alternatives, quote unquote, before it was cool. So let's have some fun, get it? And predict the future with Yield Street and Whitney Rockland. Hey, Whitney, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for joining me uh, to mostly, well, first to educate me, I think, about uh, not only Yield Street, what it does, but what that whole world of alternative investing is, and then to speak about how to build community within it. There's a few intricacies that I foresee. But first, before we get into the weeds there, let's start with the baseline. You tell us a little bit about Yield Street, and then we will get into this world of alternative investing. Absolutely. So we are a New York-based fintech company. We were founded in 2015, essentially to fix a fundamentally broken process um, between investors and investments with a mission to provide access to the best-in-class, high-yield institutional quality investment opportunities that were previously unavailable to most people because the barriers to entry were just too high or just didn't exist before. What were those barriers? Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, sure. So I think prior to these retail platforms, and clearly we're not the only one in the market, um, it was hard for a, a regular everyday retail investor to find these types of investments. They were being offered through hedge funds. They were being offered through institutions to other types of institutional investors. And they were being offered at very, very high minimums that made it unrealistic for your everyday investor to partake in these opportunities. And what we are trying to do is bring these investments directly to the investor, as well as lo at lower minimums to make it more available. So I will not use a name, but give you an example of something we recently had on our platform, a really desirable institutional-like investment. Um, and when I say that, I mean institutions are actually investing in these types of products. But the minimums were at about 250000 per investment our minimum investment was 25000 So it makes it much more realistic for somebody who's putting away savings to invest in these types of alternatives to be able to partake and experience that type of investing quality. Sure. And what called you to this purpose specifically? I, you know, recently or prior to this, uh, of course, I know you were at BlockFi, but I'm more referring to before that, you, you were part of, shall we call them more legacy, large financial players, yes. um, which may not have been here. Uh, and then over time, it seems that you, you've you drifted more into these certain vehicles. Was there something about them? Was there something about their potential, the communities, the type of people they attracted that attracted you? Absolutely. Um, I would probably put myself squarely in our target market, so it definitely appealed to me. I come from a generation of people who were told if you put every dollar you can into your 401k, starting at the time that you get your first job, you can retire comfortably at 65. And that is no longer the case for most of us. Um, 
we need to be investing outside of just the stock market and finding these other opportunities to generate wealth outside of our regular income stream. And in the past, from where I had been, um, I had these wealthy friends who were investing in real estate or were getting access to these funds that I had never heard of before. And Yield Street is bringing this to people just like me um, and to many more people than previously had had access to. And I think in the in the wake of COVID, especially where you hear the rich are getting much richer and not everybody else is getting there, um, we are looking to close that gap and bring more people access to things that were previously unattainable for them. Gotcha. So when you say that you're squarely in the target market, who are the types of people, what are the types of communities Yield Street's trying to build right now? Sure. So... Overall, um, we service accredited investors, which means people who make over $200,000 a year or have over a million in net worth. And that is more of a regulatory outline, not something that we have imposed. So we also offer um, two types of funds for people who are non-accredited as well. And we will continue to work across government legislation to ensure we give access to as many people as possible. But it is generally people who are a little bit older and have saved a little bit longer um, that have the investable assets outside of their 401k to think about where else to put their money. I think when you're in your 20s, you're hopefully putting money aside in your 401k. You're probably investing in some stocks and bonds by yourself. And when you get to be about in your 30s, I'm just generalizing. Some of us in our 20s are much better at planning and generating wealth than I was in my 20s. But you know, once you get to that point in life that you have the ability to save some more and to invest some more, Um, That is where we come into play. Um, Alternatives are all about having a place to invest outside of the stock market, outside of the bond market. I think a lot of people think of crypto as being that only place, but there's a whole wide world of alternative type investments out there. Yeah, crypto is certainly the one which is the most media forward and has had the most hype, arguably, shall we say, since 2015, probably, Mm -hmm. probably hyping up once in 2017, again in 2020, and and maybe a third time now, given the state of the world. But that's not the only alternative, as you said, which is why I want to get a definition of this next. While a 20-something looking at investment advice, which they shouldn't do, by the way, on TikTok, might just see something like stocks, bonds, crypto, and then maybe a house, like you've mentioned. I know that's not all there is. Could you define like what alternative investments is in the broad basket that Yield Street and you think about it? Absolutely. So it, it's fairly, you know, easy and crypto is part of that alternative universe. We're talking about public markets, which is more your stocks and your bonds, and then there are private markets or anything outside of the stock market which I would consider alternatives. I think crypto has gained a lot of popularity because in some ways it functions very much like the stock market, right? You can move things daily. There's liquidity. You can go in and you can go out. You can track it very easily, whereas um, other alternatives can be more illiquid and long-term. So if you think about buying a house, yes, that is an alternative investment, but there are ways to invest in real estate outside of that. There are REITs. There are multifamily housing. There are office buildings. Um, We also offer art investing. Um, We currently have an equity vehicle where you can invest in a variety of different art pieces in a diversified way. We do short-term lending, long-term lending. Um, So there's lots of different flavors of this. Um, Venture capital is another very popular one these days. Um, But really, I would broadly call it anything outside of the stock market. Got it. And so what you're helping people to do in an increasingly democratized manner is get access and then invest actively in these things where 
it, it might not be so clear without something like a yield street as to what their value is, the fluctuations therein, and the ability to enter and exit these types of things? Exactly. And, and in general, you know, it's a longer term investment. We have investments, you know, for as short as four months and as long as I think seven years right now. So um, it's not something people are as familiar with if their experience has been with the ups and downs and the daily liquidity of the stock market. So it, it's a generally different place where we ha- are hoping to create a platform for not just access, but also education. Well, yeah, that's where I want to go next or i mean that that's the that's the clearest question i had in my head first yeah i'm 30 all right so i'm right on the brink of like people who should have been investing well in their 20s and people who should be diversifying in their 30s yes and of the instruments that you noted between stocks bonds on one end and crypto on the other i mean you just mentioned a few which is at least more in number than those entities why don't I know much about this? I mean, is it just literally because I, I, no bankers calling me up being like, hey, you want to buy this art uh, fund? Or, you know, I, I imagine as the CMO of the company, it creates a great awareness opportunity. But how are you trying to educate folks? I imagine that's the beginning of any community that you seek to build. But uh, what are the ways in which you're doing that? Of course. So, you know, one is we create a lot of content, a lot of blogs, a lot of co-sponsored newsletter. Um, written articles about the different types of ways in which you can invest in alternatives and the reasons why. Understanding liquidity, understanding risk, understanding these types of investments. So that's more your your broad-based awareness play. We also, obviously, we're in the, in the business of bringing on um, new people on our platform. So we leverage um, wider sponsorships, invest, and um, events to really bring that awareness. And in ways possible, we bring it with a very personal touch. We love to sponsor events where we can have people on the ground who help describe what we do to different people. So I'd call that our very baseline education. But once you sign up on our platform, there's a series of videos, information, our offering pages will give you more information than you can probably digest in one sitting about the style of investment that you're looking at, what it means, what the risks are, where the upside come from, how the payment structures are. So we offer a very diverse, um, I'd say from your very basic education to your really deep information to service all of the different layers and segments that we offer products to. It's worth noting here, listeners, you're listening to a podcast in which we're talking about this, and Yield Street has their own called, appropriately enough, The Yield, where you can learn a little bit about this, one of the many content streams that they provide. Uh, Whitney, where has it, has the type of content changed the type of person that knows about this? Because uh, I think about alternative investments in content, and maybe it's just because I'm a consumer of the platform, but the first thing that comes to mind is TikTok and how much garbage there is out there about how to do it, how not to do it, what to do, what not to do when it comes to investing. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you made sure, uh, you know, other, of course, than putting the Yield Street name on it, uh, to make sure that you're you're not being lumped in unfairly with that muck. Absolutely. Um, We're really careful. I I will say we've only recently really started entering the TikTok space, and we only do it in ways that are highly informative and maybe in a slightly more fun way. We want to stand out in the quality of education we provide, and it's a way of bringing complex information to the market in a somewhat simple way. And I always say just because people are rich doesn't mean they understand everything. Um, Just because people are really smart doesn't mean they know how to invest in the best way possible. So regardless of your level of education, we want to provide information to you in a succinct and clear way that makes uh, mucking through all of that easy. 
We want to stand out. We want to be short, concise, and informational. And the best way to do that is obviously engaging on our actual platform where you can find information in so many different ways based on your level of education about investing and the knowledge that you have already. Yeah, it's probably smart for us to start talking about that because even when you think about the broad swath of content out there, high quality, low quality, doesn't matter where it comes from, there's also been, if you'll excuse the pun, almost like a derivative market of content, which is simply yes. ridiculing that which has come out, which is as popular or more popular than the advice or lack thereof itself. Yep. So the more you can control within your four walls, the better. So let, let's jump there. Let's assume that uh, I, I'm an investor and I want to get into access to these some of these alternative things. And so I dive in feet first with Yield Street. What about the platform, the community they're in? Uh, what would keep me engaged? And, here, and here's why I ask that. Because if some of these have such a long maturity, set so up to seven years, it might be the kind of thing that I like buy and let's sit and ignore. How do you keep people active? It's such a great question because we encounter this question all the time to that very point. If you come in and invest in a three-year real estate deal, why are you going to come back? Well, we hope you're going to come back, one, because we're going to give you updates about the investment that you're in. Um, if you're invested in a real estate deal, we're going to give you information about how that deal is progressing. Are you getting cash flow out of that? So while these investments can be illiquid from your principal, you still may be getting cash distributions on a very regular basis, either quarterly, twice a year, or annually. So that's another reason to come back. And the hope is, is that you don't just invest in one deal. You invest in several because it is about diversification. And because I can invest at lower minimums, I have the capacity to invest in a real estate deal and in a venture capital deal and in an art equity deal. And there's always new deals coming on the platform at least every week, if not more often than that. So I know for me personally, I had not invested on Yield Street prior to joining the company. And since then, I've been in about 10 active deals. And the reason for that is something new comes along all the time that's interesting and fits into the risk profile of my portfolio, where I feel like it's a good return for the level of risk that I take. Um, it has a good term at a good minimum, and I'm always thinking about what's the next thing. Plus, if you're in a shorter term deal, I've been in several as well, which are six to nine months in length, you get paid back. And I start thinking about, well, if I put it back into my savings account, I'm going to make 50 basis points on my money. But if I put it back here for another two to four years, I'm going to start making much more than that. The beauty of compound interest is something that we we don't realize until we start building it. So I'm always looking for what that next thing is going to be. And there's so much offered on the platform that I don't really have to go elsewhere to do it. Yeah. See, because in my mind, immediately where I jump is like, wow, if I'm going to get into some of these alternatives, I, I would I would bias personally first towards something with a shorter time frame because yeah, I, I maybe my attention span is thin and I focus on this as part of my life and then other things you know as part of my life. And so I come back to this every now and again. But if I know that six to nine months from now, this money is going to be unlocked basically mm -hmm. uh, with some return there. And I could go and put that back in. I thankfully understand the value of compounding as well. That is to me currently more preferable than something on the long term. But I know there's value in both. And it's probably a result of two things. One, my age, frankly, and because I, I'm, I can afford to be risky right now, mm -hmm. my portfolio riskier. And two, just because once again, of all of this media forward business around uh, either, and again, it's mostly in stocks and bonds, it's mostly in crypto, of like wildly volatile things where, probably by survivorship bias, you get stories of wild winnings, and then in some cases, these ludicrous losses. So right. I, I'm curious about something else, because through all of that, right, the crypto market, 
stocks and bonds, there is a common heartbeat. And that common heartbeat is that I can go pretty much any website that provides the data and watch a ticker. I can watch it go up and down, yep. sometimes faster than others. And that gives me a pulse without having to engage with additional content. It's just like a number. And that number is good or bad. Maybe it makes me feel a certain way, whatever. With these alternative investments, I don't know that you, and you can educate me here as well, I don't know that you necessarily have that heartbeat. And I'm curious what the replacement, or if there is a replacement, or what the surrogate for that is. And probably, again, to tackle the question of how do you make these investors feel involved. And I understand there's plenty of content there, but I'm I'm just curious if that's something that, like, your current customers talk about or where, where the hunger for shorter-term engagement comes oh, from. You, you know what I mean? That's a huge question wrapped up, but I'm curious. It's a huge question. And I will tell you that a real estate investment is never going to have that heartbeat of crypto. I think a good portfolio has a balance of both because it's not just about the excitement of investing. It's about your short term and your long term. So going back to your previous point, there's lots of opportunities to get into short term deals. And I think a lot of first time investors test the waters and dip their toe going into short term. We have three short term notes up right now, which are less than nine months. Um, So that's a great way to do it. But if you think about If I get into short-term notes, which is six months, and that's my short-term, I'm going to wait for my first payback and think about what's next. Say I'm in a real estate deal. Suddenly, I'm thinking about markets and market dynamics and what's happening in the space and what's the housing market sound like. And I think content helps to replace that heartbeat, and it becomes its own distinct heartbeat that's a little less of following a ticker and more about absorbing more information and understanding the broader market context. So, for example, I invested in my first art deal recently. And suddenly I find myself paying attention to the auctions and how much is the Banksy selling for and is Basquiat as popular as it used to be. And those are the different ways, I think, that you start um, keeping people interested in their investment on a regular basis. And that's what we try to provide to investors on our platform. If you're invested in an art deal, you're going to get lots of information for us about how the markets are moving and what's sold recently and for what and for how much more. I think there was a big note this morning that came out in the New York Times about um, how rents are skyrocketing in New York again, and people have stayed away from real estate investing because of what happened during COVID. So it's almost like this broader context and more intellectual focus that I have now on markets and market directions because I'm I'm invested in these deals. Which I think is probably good for anybody to become a more prudent investor uh, via that so. knowledge as opposed to avoidance or mitigation of this volatility and fervor and fear. Yep. And, we, and we're hoping to deliver that in an easy way to our investors. So you're, you're not out there scouring the Wall Street Journal for information about where your investments are going. Right. What are the youngest consumers on Yield Street, the youngest customers on Yield Street saying and craving? And I ask this because um, on this podcast, partially, we're, we're focused on what the, we say next gen consumer, but those that are digital first are, are doing and thinking. And of course, with a nod to the future, which this is all about. Yep. I'm curious as to what they're thinking, because obviously that's going to drive where you go. Um, What are they saying right now? Um, I think the younger investors, I'd say the way we provide crypto is probably for a somewhat more mature investor because a younger investor is very comfortable going out and trading coins in a way that maybe an older investor isn't. And we offer crypto through diversified mean and through managed capital on our end. Um, So for people who are a bit younger, I think that the first step outside of stocks and crypto is probably real estate. It's tangible. It's understandable. um, It's been around as an investment vehicle forever. Um, we launched our first real estate REIT last week, and that's been a great way for us to um, engage 
new investors, especially because you do not have to be accredited to invest in it. And there is also a level of liquidity as we'll be offering tender offers on a regular basis where you can actually move money in and out of the evergreen investment. Interesting. So then let me ask you this, because hopefully, even if folks are uh, utilizing crypto investments in other means, ideally, you hope that as they age and mature, they they move into your platform. So what do you see as the, I don't want to use the word future, but but I will, is like the next iteration of this sort of experience, because as I'm understanding it right now, um, accessibility is is growing. You can access a greater number of alternative investments than ever before. You can do it in a single place on Yield Street. Isn't that great? And then once you make it, even if it is a long time to maturity, there's this large content library in the middle to keep people, uh, to give them a pulse on it. What comes beyond that? Or, uh, I mean, well, what's on your mind for the next two, three, five years of Yield Street or even like the ideal alternative investing experience? Sure. Um, I think that's a great question because I'm always thinking about how do do we think about the younger generation who are accumulating wealth right now? To me, the ideal portfolio, again, my personal view of things is where I think people see the very wealthy getting rich right now is probably in venture capital. Um, That's kind of the hot ticket item. And it's easier and easier to invest in. There's a lot more retail platforms out there that allow for it. But if you were to come to Yield Street, I think the great diversified platform to really experience everything that Alternatives has to offer is to have something short-term that you move in and out of and potentially free up cash along the way and certainly better than putting your money in a savings account right now. Um, And then you have a couple of different investments that run different time periods as well as different underlying assets. So you have something in real estate you have something in like the VC private market space. Um, I think every celebrity athlete out there is now invested in 12 different companies. I think Kevin Durant was, was. I mean, every time you hear about him, it's because he was invested in some company that recently went public. And that's the thing that people are thinking about. And then for me from crypto, and obviously I, I am a crypto investor and I do appreciate the ups and downs and the everyday momentum of it. But then there's also this part of me that there's a lot I don't know about it. There are the new coins. There are people who are managing it in a different way. And I, I think having that kind of active management of crypto is an interesting alternative to being out there and trading you know, Ethereum on my own. So I think it's the right mix. It's the right duration. Um, and it's making sure you have the right amount. Um, institutions have around 40% of their assets in alternatives. And on average, the retail consumer has less than 10. So Obviously, there's a happy place in the middle there, and I'm not suggesting consumers put 40% of their assets in in alternatives, but under 10 is clearly not optimizing the diversity of their portfolio. And I hope people um, start taking those measures because my goal is to see more people generate wealth for the long term and you know, not be impacted by the ups and downs of the stock market or the ups and downs of the crypto markets. Sure. Or at least to learn. I mean, my God, you, and you, you hit the nail on the head with something that I've been thinking about, which is that Every so often, I'll have a conversation with somebody uh, who will talk about like access to VC. And I always just saw that as behind some, you know, like Manhattan, Connecticut garden, which is like neatly trimmed and only accessible to like a few select people. And then you find people on the other side who are athletes or entertainers. You and I must be reading the same edition of Adweek talking about Kevin Durant and his his wild portfolio of of tech and media ventures. Uh, We even talked about it on this podcast where that's clearly a huge Unlock and yes, alternative, but I don't know anything about that. And again, like I, I almost feel silly like not knowing about it because what I've been in the real world, let's say, what, anyway, eight years after graduation. And yeah. like this is the kind of thing that I should know, and anybody building wealth for the future should. So 
I appreciate um, that. And uh, I appreciate you coming on the show, teaching us a little bit more. Um, final thought, how about you, how about this? Favorite alternative investment? Do you have one, a favorite one? You mentioned art a lot. Yeah. You talk about VC. What, what do you really like? I do love art. I mean, I love art in particular, and I certainly don't have the resources to buy my own, and yet the values continue to appreciate. So having someone tell me where that's going to go. Um, I've been investing in a lot of real estate. It's actually, I'm, I'm a New Yorker, and I'm a lifelong renter, and I actually don't own any real estate on my own. So I've actually- been, Same here, except for the New York part, but I don't own either. Yeah, I've been, I've been leveraging uh, Yield Street to become a real estate investor outside of being a homeowner. Yeah, that's a cool one too, just because I, as well as anybody, look at those staggering prices and say, my God, am I going to dump all my money into this? I mean, I know I got to get a piece. Exactly. Exactly. So. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thanks again to Whitney Rockland from Yield Street for joining us. This alternative world is certainly worth looking into more and should probably be a bigger part of our financial future. And thanks to you, the listener, for exploring the future of fandom with us today. I'd encourage you to stay connected. So be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts, where you can also find all of our content at livelike.com and across socials, LinkedIn at LiveLike and Twitter at LiveLikeInc. I look forward to predicting the future again with you real soon. And until then, I'm Adam Connor saying so long and thanks for being a fan. <laughs>